0: A man's rejection is God's protection. Siggy Flicker.
1: Welcome to Table Flippers, a new podcast about the Real Housewives of New Jersey. We're your hosts, Joel
0: and Chantal. We're two social scientists from the Garden State talking to you straight about love, crime, family, fashion.
1: And subprime mortgages and moving back in with your ex-husband.
0: Now playing season eight.
1: I think that the best way to start this podcast is for the two of us to just just explain to our listeners what it is that we love about this wonderful reality television show. Joel,
0: what do you love about The Real Housewives of New Jersey?
1: I feel like my fascination with this show goes way back. I really loved um, tuning into the first season because Mm. I just couldn't believe what a slice of uh, culture it was in New Jersey, True. which is a place that I had just moved to at the time. I know you're from New Jersey, Interesting.
0: Sean Paul. So you're a latecomer to New Jersey culture. I right am
1: now. a latecomer to New Jersey culture, and I loved it, and I saw so much resonance in the show, so many things that actually reminded me of experiences that I'd had just in the Garden State. Yeah. Um, what I really loved was just meeting this cast of characters, people who'd lived in New Jersey their entire lives, and I remember seeing people like Dina with her cats mm. and meeting... The Manzo clan, which owned the Brownstone. I know the Brownstone is actually a place that you and I had bonded over earlier. I wanna
0: have my wedding at the Brownstone. Oh my
1: god, I don't blame you. <laughs> what do you love about the show?
0: What I love about the show, I mean I am from New Jersey, right? I grew up in northern New Jersey. Um, and to me the show does such a good job of capturing this like very specific culture in the place I grew up and specifically these questions about the types of like wealth and social mobility that people yeah. are chasing after. Um, so where in New Jersey people, are you from? So I'm from Morristown, New Jersey, which is uh, approximately a 25 minute drive from Franklin Lakes where oh. the, uh, the ladies are all living. Um, I have actually been to the posh store. Oh, no. <laughs> My mom and I visited the posh store. It is like a walk in closet in a strip mall.
1: So anyhow, we're here to discuss the cheese. first episode of this latest season, which we were both looking forward to because it includes the reintroduction of one of our favorite characters.
0: Miss Danielle Staub, and she did not disappoint. No, she did she not. came in like a hurricane in a shirt with no shoulders.
1: So so let's dive right in. Let's so, do it. So essentially the, the way the episode opens is very smart. It's also tragic because it opens with it's a death, right?
0: Yeah, so we we start out kind of like revisiting all of the ladies at home with their families and their kids. Um, and we start out learning that Teresa's mother, who's actually played a pretty big role on this show. She has. Uh, in some 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 both lovely and and potentially contentious ways, has passed away unexpectedly, That's I right. think. Um, and so we kind of check in with, Teresa and her four girls at home in the McMansion, where they're still living.
1: And then they cut immediately to a funeral with Gia's eulogy. Where which she's, is beautiful, by the way. Is, which was really um, beautiful. Gia's
0: extremely articulate.
1: I have to say that Gia has, is, has really blossomed over the years. It's Gia been a pleasure blossomed. to watch her grow. So let's talk about Joe. So Joe's been gone a year, right? He's been
0: gone a year. He is in federal prison. He is reportedly studying for his GED right Um, he's lost weight so so he has more time
1: let's explain so he uh, just to recap he has a Mm -hmm. few years left in his sentence right he
0: does that's
1: true so we get this lovely scene in his absence right because it's basically Tree now who has to take care of her kids and she's pouring them milk and serving them pineapple and throwing bananas at them and making... I just find myself wondering, like, didn't she come out with a cookbook? Like,
0: right. this is what she can do? <laughs> and <laughs> like Melania, I mean? Melania thinks that mom's bacon is not as good as dad's bacon. And this is a very sort of like, you know, resonant, perhaps gender critique that Melania is making. That's right. Um, to, uh, Gia is is upset that her mother has served her wet waffles. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> the apples are wet.
1: I know. There's actually like a lot of really bad cooking on this episode. I'm There's also like this cooking. food fight that happens with Joe Gorga and his children, where they're like <laughs> they're like throwing like pancakes at each other. Um, and what's going on with them? Basically, Melissa is saying that his mom's passing. Has put everything into perspective for her, and now she wants to focus on the finer things in life. Right, or something. hanging
0: out together. With, exactly. Should we wait? Should we talk a little bit about Melissa's store envy and uh, what's been going on there? Sure. So we learn a little bit in this episode uh, that there has been a rift, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, between Melissa and her ex-business partner, whose name is...
1: Jackie, who, um, I guess, took all of the stores from Melissa... All of the clothes from Melissa... Not not all the stores. There's only one. one store. From the one store. Took all the clothes from Melissa's store and then brought them to Kim D's store?
0: This is a very strange thing to do. But what a um, move,
1: right? Because this actually <laughs> re-exposes a lot of the old tensions between Kim D and Melissa.
0: Right. So Kim D, if we remember from previous seasons, is was the orchestrator of a stripper gate, wherein she tried to out Melissa for having potentially been a stripper in the past. Uh, details of which are still unclear, but regardless. So there's like a really old and pretty deep beef between uh, Melissa and Kim D, who are, of course, both now small business proprietors (laughs) in this town. Right,
1: but what is it that Melissa says about Kim, her arch nemesis?
0: Her arch nemesis. What does she say?
1: She says that sometimes the rat comes out of the sewer (laughs) and gets the piece of cheese.
0: Sometimes the rat comes out of the sewer and gets the piece of cheese. And I think that the piece of cheese is clothing, in this case.
1: (laughs) What's the sewer?
0: What is the sewer? The store? I don't know
1: no posh but, right so the rat is the, the rat is Jackie the rat no the rat is Kendi is
0: no, I don't know what Jackie is maybe Jackie is the sewer it's unclear <laughs> it's not <on> a <laughs> <laughs> right, so
1: so, so if, next thing that gets introduced is Dolores, right?
0: Dolores and her son, Hot Frankie,
1: Hot Frankie, so hot, Hot Gabby, Hot all of them,
0: hot everyone, hot ex husband who is moving back into the house. Oh, you this like the Frank? big news? I love Frank. I think he's funny, and like, and he's not specifically my type, but I know that he is. um an ex bodybuilding champion i believe that he was mm. mr new jersey right so everybody's tight yeah so everybody's <laughs> tight basically he's kind of a muscle head he's like pretty charismatic pretty cool he's uh moving back in and dolores looks like totally smitten she's giggling she's like running around with dogs
1: so in were you able to uh figure out why he's moving back in Because that that sort of went over my head. I
0: think Dolores kind of like vaguely alludes to some problems (laughs) between uh, Frank, her husband, and Frank, her husband's current girlfriend. Um, So it maybe seems as though there's an opportunity of Frank and Dolores getting back together, Mm -hmm. which I suspect is being teased as a major plot line for this season. Right,
1: because Dolores, we later learn, is actually seeing someone new, right? Right.
0: Dolores is in a new relationship. Frank is still in his relationship, and he's moving back into the house, and nobody can stop giggling.
1: (sighs) So weird to think about.
0: So weird to think about. And yet they have so much chemistry, Dolores and her ex-husband. I mean, it's like, I think that they, like, seem more into each other than, like, most of the actual married couples on this show Yeah, because,
1: well, we're... We're next introduced or reintroduced to a married couple that sounds like they're having some tensions. It's Siggy. Siggy
0: and her husband, whose full name is always used, Mr. Michael Campanello.
1: <laughs> right. So, um, so we learned that... Siggy um, has empty nest syndrome. Siggy has
0: empty nest syndrome. Because,
1: she, because Joshua is going to college, or so we think. And so she's buying all of this shit for his dorm room.
0: So it looks as though he hasn't yet uh, decided to go to Penn State, um, and we don't know where else he's considering, and Stinky is like weirdly obsessed with the idea that her son would go to Penn State, and she's running around with all of this Penn State swag, which to me indicates that perhaps there's kind of an endorsement deal going on between Siggy Flicker and one Penn State.
1: Wait, What?
0: Right, so there. I mean, there's been all kinds of scandals at Penn State. I think in the past few years, um, people being, you know, really gravely injured in in frat situations. Oh, right. what was it, the, the, the sexual predators scandal associated mm-hmm. with their football coach. So I, I do think that, like, Penn State could could stand to burnish its reputation among suburban moms a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, this is how they're doing it. And we're sort of moving into uh, this little dinner party that Teresa is throwing with some Chinese food and some friends wherein they plan...
1: Yeah, can I quickly ask you a question? Go for it. I just wanted to know, at a Chinese dinner, is it normal to have, like, a huge glass of red wine? Is that something that's, like... A coupling that you would often see?
0: Um, that's a I've never question. had red
1: wine with Chinese food.
0: I don't know as though I've necessarily either. Um, but we have to remember this is Joe Giudice's house where red wine goes with breakfast, lunch, dinner, and mm. snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it it's may paired. be the case. Yeah, it's paired. And it may be the case that Teresa is desperately trying to like get rid of this massive homey and wine stash, which we know from previous seasons is really smelly.
1: Right. So a new character is introduced at this party. Margaret. Right. Who's Margaret?
0: So Margaret, it's a little bit difficult for us to tell exactly how Margaret has entered into the cast. Oh, I I can
1: tell you exactly how. Okay, tell me how. So apparently, um, Margaret Margaret was met through Siggy's friend, Jody. Jody. But what's weird is that already there's this kind of tension between Siggy and Margaret. So Siggy is actually the one who brings us Margaret. Right. But... They don't really like each other They don't something. really seem
0: to like each other. But does Sydney sure.
1: really like anyone? I mean...
0: mean, I mean, I th- let's talk a little bit about City's behavior in this episode, um, <laughs> which I think she's, she's kind of going a little bit off the rails. She um, is speaking super loudly. She's kind of yelling at everyone, being outrageous. She tells us at one point that she is, quote, the most talented person in the world, Um And this is not so much odd behavior for the Real Housewives of New Jersey, but it does, I think, mark a little bit of a departure from the Siggy that we were introduced to last season, who was kind of acting in this role as mediator, you know, the calm one, the relationship expert, someone to talk to, a sounding board, if you will. Now she's just, you know, sound.
1: Yeah. She, I mean, something is going on with her for sure. And like... In addition to any possible substances, we also learn that she has this kind of micro business on the side where she lectures.
0: She lectures. She has a book, she right? She has a book. So tell she us about She is a relationship expert. Uh-huh. I believe we will be uh, reviewing Siggy's book <laughs> on uh, the Real Housewives of New Jersey Table Flippers right. book club, TBD. Right. Um, and she's out doing these, I guess, events where she discusses her... Work about relationships. And so her at the
1: Chinese at the Chinese food and wine party, she <laughs> takes she takes the stage, and she gives us a little taste just for some flavor. We get a taste of her one of her motivational speeches. Right
0: now, how is it? How do you find her analysis of relation? I mean, does is is this speaking to you? Does it sound like something that would be what motivational to you, aspirational like? What is she bringing to the table here? I'm not here?
1: really sure. I mean, I've got to tell you, I don't really understand her message. She tells us to love who we are. Fair enough. But then she goes on to say that people don't believe her because she looks like a sex toy or something. Like She it's, looks like a sex toy. It's one like of those, something. like, easy for you to say. You look hot, she informs her audience. And then it cuts to her being like, and I'm going to sign people's books.
0: It's a it's a strange type of expertise that Siggy is is bringing to oh, the table. Oh, and then a man's
1: re- and then the famous line. The
0: line that we've chosen um, as this week's epigraph for the episode. What is it? A-, a
1: man's rejection is God's protection. A man's
0: rejection is God's protection. Right. Um, and we also learn in the episode that Siggy's husband, Michael Campanello, <laughs> is is unhappy with her uh, doing as many appearances. As she does. So now Siggy is kind of joining the, the club of Real Husbands of New Jersey whose husbands are unhappy. that <laughs> They are hashtag women who work. Yeah. That's like an Ivanka Trump reference for you. <laughs> All right, let's get into the trip to Boca. Um, this is kind of early in the season for a cast trip, uh, but nonetheless, I enjoyed it. We go out to a dinner at a sort of steakhouse with the girls on a first night this is where I think Siggy is really acting up. She's kind of, like, walking around screaming. Yeah. Everyone in the restaurant is looking at her. She
1: says it's her favorite restaurant in the world. But actually, it's kind of a weird restaurant, because the interior is just, like, really a lot of, like, velvet cushions. And I swear to God, I saw one of the waiters wearing a trench
0: coat. Ha. Wait, let's use this as a segue to speak a little bit about the fashion in this season, which is a pretty big <laughs> departure from our unusual New Jersey... <laughs> get-ups. Right, because um, we have
1: lots of montages now of the girls getting ready.
0: Lots of montages of the girls getting ready. And I think a real shift in the kind of couture that these lady, couture that these ladies are into. Um,
1: Tell us about that, Couture.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, we don't actually, I don't, I, could, I didn't count one single off-the-shoulder dress in this episode, and instead mm, I think we're... I saw one on
1: Melissa. Oh, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean,
0: Melissa, she's always been a little classic. Um, but where we're really going for this season seems to be like kind of a kink chic um, well, yeah, because... A lot of leather, a lot of, like, shirts that lace up the front. Siggy wears
1: that s dress <laughs> with the lace that goes, the, the, the lace up. It's like a it's weird like bodice.
0: A silly dress, to be quite <laughs> you honest. you like it. I mean, so I thought that Teresa actually pulls off this new kind of biker-chic look Beautifully, and she is like rocking a great yoga mm-hmm. body. Um, mm-hmm. And she also, I feel like, has this kind of swagger that mm-hmm. is doing really well in the kinds of outfits she's wearing. And then Sydney kind <laughs> of looks like she's like taking a trip to the naughty Halloween store. Like it looks like a get-up
1: Or New York Prime, her favorite restaurant or in the New world. New York
0: Prime, her favorite restaurant in the world. Right. So at the restaurant <laughs> we, we meet, get
1: Well we meet this character. We meet
0: Margaret. We get
1: to know her a little bit. She arrives in this yellow sports car. She has that she calls herself a powerhouse in pigtails. What do you
0: think of the pigtails? Like, I impressive?
1: Well, as I said, I'm from Western Massachusetts where women mm-hmm. wear that sort of thing. They wear
0: pigtails.
1: Yeah. So, she's very excited about her business. Her mom, who looks like Cindy Lauper, <laughs> works for her, right? And she drives this big... I mean, her life is ostentatious. She drives a big yellow sports car. like But she's... I, there's something
0: about her... I just don't find her that
1: annoying. Like You're
0: right. She's not that annoying.
1: It's like... And I feel like a lot of times when these other women talk about their careers, it's like... Well, first of all, we have... So, Dolores is like, I am woman, hear me roar. And she makes this like big thing out of that. Right.
0: Right. It's like these other women, I feel... I mean, I think partially maybe because of these conflicts that they experience with their husbands over the very idea that they should leave the house. They sort of, like, stake these huge identity claims in these kind of, like, Mm -hmm. fine, but, like, not, you know, necessarily world-saving kind of business. Yeah.
1: This also leads to, it segues to one of the episode's more interesting moments, in my opinion, which Definitely. is when Teresa starts talking about her husband.
0: Yeah, so what does Teresa say exactly about Joe at this dinner?
1: So she says that she gets aggravated, in her words, because of the situation that he put her in.
0: Right. She uses this phrase, um, which is something we've never, so Teresa, I think the when she talks about Joe and the situation mm-hmm. of the The tax fraud and the other kinds of fraud, like, has never really expressed any real kind of anger, disappointment, or frustration Mm -mm. that Joe made a whole bunch of really stupid decisions um, that, you know, caused her to spend a year in prison.
1: And part of it is the show's doing, because for so long I feel like the trope was, does she feel remorse? Does she express her guilt? Right. But now it's actually more about, like, will she express her anger, which is a new emotion for Teresa,
0: Right. I mean, I think that, like, Teresa, Teresa has served her time, right? Because anger is a
1: new emotion for Teresa. Did you catch that? (laughs) I didn't catch that, and I'm
0: glad it was restated. Um, Right, because it's almost, I mean, we know that that sort of, like, this, like, wild, large anger is is a thing that Teresa does, but this kind of, like, intimate, complicated anger that she's expressing now about... I think it was specifically the fact that Joe's misdeeds led her to spend a year in prison well, that she, she otherwise her mom. exactly she could have spent that time with her mom um, who's recently passed away right and it kind of seems like she's like indicting Joe a lot the women she hasn't. I
1: mean in addition to us the viewers the women mm-hmm. are totally surprised to be hearing this stuff come out of Teresa's mouth and Melissa even notes that she thought it was just going to be like I mean she calls her husband over this to describe it. Um, Dolores says that she thought never in a million years would Teresa even entertain the idea of leaving her husband
0: and now she's she's and taking back the what is it the word never right right? So Dolores is actually rolling back on a lot of the themes she introduced last season about you know Teresa and this Italian mentality and stick by your man no matter what. So I think the show is is throwing out some pretty big questions about what's going to be going on uh, with Teresa's marriage.
1: I just love... This is one of the things that I just love about this show is that it gives us these kind of arcs where the women have to like... It's not just that they're figuring out who they are as women or working women, but they're also trying to figure out what me, what role men should play in their lives.
0: This is true. I think the sort of, like, evolving conceptualizations of wifehood and what that means totally. is a pretty – I mean, it's, it's kind of the central trope of the whole show. And, like, not – you know, I think we start out in earlier seasons with, you know, this very kind of, like – I'm a traditional wife, and a cook, and a clean, and who cares. care. And you know, you know this kind of this vision of wifehood that the right. viewer is supposed to find and if I, and I have laughable. a career, it
1: needs to be through this cult of domesticity. It needs to be a cookbook, or it needs totally. to be something that I'm totally. pushing this for the home.
0: Right, and then I think like as we've sort of moved through the seasons, um, and like you know, a, frankly, a large amount of tragedy has befallen these characters in front of our eyes. I think we actually watch these people start to critically re-examine the way that they've thought about wifehood, the way that they've thought about gender in the family, and the mm-hmm. way that they think about, you know, hashtag women who work and independence. Um, Absolutely. And it's an interesting thing to watch.
1: Right. And they all sort of, I mean, and it's all told through these, like, montages of them partying together or just sort of, like, celebrating each other yeah. as women. So the, we cut straight from... Or no, I don't think it's an immediate cut, but but very soon after we have this restaurant experience, we cut to Melissa's birthday lunch, right? Melissa's
0: birthday party,
1: right? And it's at Melissa's birthday uh, lunch that basically the big shocker climax of the episode because we have the reintroduction of like one of the most controversial figures in the history of the show, right? So who arrives, Chantal? And then let's talk so, about your reaction. So
0: Danielle Staub just walks out into this brunch. Um, this is actually the first time that I screamed during this episode. I screamed <laughs> twice. We the second time later. You
1: really did. I did.
0: Um, and Danielle Staub, I mean, so we didn't expect her to be in Florida. So like, well-played producers, right? We,
1: well, we did, but we, we expected her to, to be lurking, so was she She's this ghost, right? She is. It,
0: I think one of the characters, it might even be Siggy or Melissa, um, refers to her as the ghost of Christmas past, which is actually a really kind of funny and sophisticated thing for them to say. Um, and then she walks in, <laughs> proceeds to like walk her danielle Staub tightrope between interpersonal tension and sort of friendly outrageousness, um, and then introduces the fact that Kim D's car has been torched.
1: Right. Right, so what happened? We learned from the tabloids, but then through Danielle, right? Right,
0: that Kimchi's car was torched, and that she thought initially that her son, son may have been burnt to dead. a crisp inside. Right. And the fact that her son wasn't burnt to a crisp, I think in some ways, like is eliding the fact that two people were actually burnt to a crisp inside <laughs> D's car, which was torched Never by acknowledged. forces unknown. Never right. acknowledged.
1: Well, a lot isn't really acknowledged. There's this kind of sense that, like, the viewers just know the story. because the I
0: did not know this. story. No, well, I didn't know, I didn't know story. the
1: story. And so I was just, so I'm just hearing them talk and I'm just like, wait, so Kim, this is Kim D's car. At first I was like, did Kim D torch someone to death?
0: That's what I thought too. I thought that Kim D had torched a car, which is believable.
1: Um, and so we don't really know what i mean still even after watching the episode we have to do some like external research to find out exactly what we're
0: happened. we're gonna have to do some research and i also i assume that kimby is going to be walking into <laughs> love, one of these i love
1: how we like don't really care enough <laughs> we're just kind of like yeah well, i mean we to be honest it's
0: kind of that i'm enjoying the mystery <laughs> I mean, the idea that, like, mysterious horses have torched Kim D's car with people inside it, and that no one seems to regard this as remarkable. We don't even know
1: who the people
0: are. Right? I mean, we would be, we were, we were, they were treating it with greater shock when Melissa's, you know, clothes were taken to Kim D's posh store than the fact that two people died, burnt to death in Kim D's car, which was torched.
1: Well, anyhow, this invoking of Kim D brings up some old tensions among the ladies.
0: Kim D is a honey badger. Like, she doesn't give she a fuck. She
1: totally is. Well, she stirs up trouble. Danielle, I mean, she basically took on Danielle.
0: She did. With
1: the hair pulling. Can you explain what happened there?
0: So this is, this is, so Danielle and Kim D, I mean, Kim D has been at one point sort of everyone's, to use Jacqueline phrase loyal soldier. Um, so she was on Team Danielle during the major conflicts in season two until she, uh, Turned on Danielle, invited Teresa, Jacqueline, and Caroline to sit at her table at the pos- fat- posh sorry, fashion show. And uh, this precipitated, of course, the famous Teresa hair-pulling scene where she chases Danielle down the hallway of this country club screaming, Cocor!
1: Right, right.
0: And then she also is the person responsible for Strippergate Season 4. Say?
1: she is so what happened there so
0: in stripper gate um again we have the posh fashion show it is really, by the way one I, of my goals to i really a posh fashion i really show. do
1: like how you're the resident historian of this show, <laughs> by the show no i mean i, <laughs> I think am like, good. it's like
0: have you read the book the giver like that's my that's my role <laughs> here i like maintain the memories of the show and i've bought them all on iTunes. <laughs> so what happens here is that kim d is is on team teresa and she is Basically, inviting this very sleazy man to the fashion show who claims that Melissa has worked as a stripper in one of his gentlemen's clubs in Elizabeth. Enjoy mm. that phrase. Um, and he shows up at the fashion show, is, like, telling everyone that Melissa's a stripper, Melissa blames the whole thing on Teresa, Joe shows up, everyone's drunk, everyone's high, like, it's a, it's, like, one of these crazy breaking moments. Amazing. So Kim D is really, I mean, she doesn't have her own storylines in the show, like, not for her own lack of trying, she's never been a full housewife, um, but she does manage to catalyze the drama, and I look forward to her being on this season.
1: So... Basically, it's so interesting. Just on a side note, it's it's really become evident to me in this season that Teresa really is the star of the show.
0: Oh, without a doubt.
1: And she's one of the quietest in this episode, but she's really the star. She just has the star power. She
0: does. Like she has this. Even even back, I think in seasons one and two, when the sort of like narrative wasn't necessarily centered on Teresa, um, she still kind of like grabs the screen when she's on camera. She's funny, she's animated, and now she has this kind of quiet power.
1: She does, because of course, she's the one who has to decide that Danielle is okay, and then the other girls just kind of accept her. So interesting.
0: I want to put forward a hypothesis about this, which is that perhaps in the absence of both her mother and Caroline Manzo, Teresa is kind of like, she's grown into this role as matriarch of the group. Yeah. Like, she's kind of like the queen (laughs) linchpin.
1: Yeah. Other things I just never thought I would say. But it really is true. She's the star of the show, and she's also this kind of, like, she's this, yeah, she's this matriarch.
0: I think that also the show has, like, the show was so rough on her, seasons three, and like, when we were sort of watching the descent of the GDJs. Yeah. This is true. I I think production really hated her. Production hated her. I mean, we've read some stories about that in, like, behind the scenes Yeah, no, I think she
1: just got a nasty edit, too. But, I mean, she was, you know, she was obviously prone to violence, but she just, like... I don't know. I mean, I'm just really glad that she's looking as good as she is. Melissa looks really good. The two of them are getting along, which is always wonderful Which is to actually,
0: say. like, I would have thought, and tell me what you think about this, I would have thought before they made up, that when they made up, the show would be over, right? Like, the central conflict would be gone. It would be boring to watch. Right. I don't feel that way.
1: No. No. It's actually just kind of heartwarming.
0: Yeah, like it's kind of like the best buddy comedy that I think a Real Housewives franchise has yeah. produced. And
1: their relationship is so great, as we're about to see in the next scene. So basically, they go to a place called Shooters to continue Shooters. the celebration, which I thought was a yacht, by the way, to continue the celebration. Of uh Melissa's birthday. Happy
0: birthday, Melissa Gorga.
1: Right, exactly. And she's like screaming and drunk, and like this is where Margaret informs us that she does something called pop puss with that her husband. What
0: is pop puss
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask you.
0: Um I've actually I'd never heard of this before before, of before of the episode, but apparently you apply pop puss I thought she was talking about poppers. Yourself. I thought she was talking about poppers too. She doesn't enunciate very clearly. <laughs> it's, it's
1: not proper. Um, but it's, it's some poppers. sort of, like,
0: or, <laughs> orgasm spray that she's using. And then Melissa, like, loses her shit she, over, she over the mentioning of this. I want to say, I think that, like, Melissa Gorga, for someone who's self-presentation... Is like all about this like sex kitten persona. She's very uncomfortable actually discussing sex. She like freaks the shit out every time someone like mentions a penis or like
1: Yeah. yeah. Well that's something that we can talk about actually, because my question is how much of that is Artifice? Do you think do you think she is such a Madonna? Like, I don't know.
0: I actually I have a hard time telling which of those two components is Artifice, right? Like, is the Artifice the part where she's sort of like I'm so sexy, I, you know, do these photo shoots for my husband. Or is the artifice the part where she's sort of acting all shocked whenever someone, like, introduces the idea of, like, you know, the bodily act of sex? Um, But I listened to a podcast recently with Peggy Orenstein, who has written a book about the sexuality of teenage American girls. And one of the things she brings up is that, you know, in our cultural context, that... Teenage women in the US are thought to understand their own sensuality. In reference to the male gaze, right? Like mm-hmm. I am sexy if if I look mm-hmm. sexy to men, like, sure. and they're not really distinguishing their own sexual activity and pleasure mm. apart from like whether they are appealing to boys or men. And and she, and she does mention that this isn't really the case as much she finds for queer girls of that age, and that made me think of Melissa, who seems her sensuality seems so saying, focused. I think what you're saying on, true. That's on, definitely like how Joe is viewing her and other men to a certain extent, and she seems completely uncomfortable with the idea of her own pleasure
1: i I think that's really well put I totally agree, yeah, and yeah, that's really true. I mean even her interactions with Joe, which we get a little bit of where he's sort of like coaxing her. She's like, no, I won't take photos of myself. But then she sort of says like, oh, yeah, I'm taking sexy photos of yeah. myself.
0: She says something like, oh, I'm married. I'm married, what, 12, 13 years. And today is the first time I've sent like a naked picture to my husband and like, ooh, so naughty. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's just odd. It's like it's odd and there's like a weird tension in that in that self-presentation. I think this is something that we should watch with Melissa Gorga. I think forward. so too.
1: But so the girls are all gathered around and we get this thing about pop which is really confusing. And then who is it who takes center stage to wheel out her cake?
0: I think Siggy has has created this cake. Um, that she has ordered to match the wallpaper in Melissa Gorga's store.
1: I was confused conceptually about this cake. I, <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be like an image. Uh, it was supposed to match in a symbolic way the photograph. What is this? There's like, a pho- oh,
0: there's a photograph of Melissa in her own store. Does that make it like
1: indexical? What was that, in
0: Oh, I don't even know what that is. It's like, <laughs> like it's
1: like a, it's like an indexical symbol, like points to something else. No?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, that so sounds... Add, yeah, right. There's, there's like a whole bunch of mediation of the symbolism <laughs> of the cake. But the weird or thing is that. the cake
1: really left me scratching my head because I had no idea. It didn't really look like the photo at all.
0: It didn't look like the photo. And you would think, I mean, so I've in the past, I have actually ordered photo cakes for friends. So I have put, you know, photos you of my friends. I have. There's actually a phenomenal um, bakery in Flatbush that does this called King's Bakery. Shout out, New Yorkers. Um... It's really fun. Oh, that's wonderful. But so what happens with this cake is... <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Melissa and Teresa are, are in some sort of, like, little... Not like a tiff. They're not actually angry, I It's think, not but, serious. Like, so Melissa is teasing Teresa about what?
1: So Melissa is teasing Teresa because Teresa's a meddler. And Melissa at her bachelorette party had apparently been, like, dancing with some guys... Very innocently because doing, of course doing, everything like because hours, of course okay. everything <laughs> Melissa does is so innocent. And then Teresa like supposedly went straight to her fiance and her brother, Joe Gorga, and told him everything. <laughs> right. And then Teresa to her credit doesn't correct Melissa. She's just like, Yeah.
0: And we get like mm. a quick off camera thing with Teresa being like, I used to be a troublemaker. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but
1: we can marvel at this personal growth.
0: Right, because they're like you could see like earlier seasons, this kind of even starting off this conversation about something that was said to a brother. Never have let
1: this slide. No, no,
0: no. Like this would have blown up. Like people would have been accused of cheating on their husbands. Like children would have been insulted. Um, and now it's just like they're kind of teasing each other.
1: So what happens at Shooters on the waterfront?
0: The the second thing that made me <laughs> scream, which is that I think I forget who picks up a piece of cake first. It might even be Melissa who like kind of takes a little like piece of cake and like. Kind of like gently puts it on Teresa's face, like, ha ha, cake on your face. And then Teresa, she just picks up the whole cake and just lobs it off the table. From
1: the base. She actually just (laughs) lifts up the cake and throws it. And we see it just sort of like banging to the ground.
0: It's Oh my God, it's hysterical. Um, And I really, I want to actually take a moment to contrast the throwing of Melissa's birthday cake with the table flip for which this podcast is named in season one. Sure. Right? This is like the two Teresas. Season one, table flipping Teresa is like, she's yelling, she's furious, she's enraged, her face is contorted, she's screaming, prostitution whore, engaged 19 times. I mean, it's a classic scene. Right. Um, And then cake throwing Teresa season eight, like, she doesn't give a fuck. Like, she's just throwing this cake. She's not actually mad. She's just kind of done. You know? (laughs) <laughs> like she doesn't even say a, anything when she throws the cake. It's a she primal just throw, but
1: it's not primal in the way the table flipping was. It's like just a primal scream of a cake throw. It's like
0: she's too cool for that cake, and then <laughs> she has to throw it. And Siggy is like furious. I mean, Siggy is basically bursting into tears over the fact that this like pretty inadequate cake has you know, been thrown it, on it the ground. Wasn't,
1: it wasn't just like a chocolate chip cookie cake, she <laughs>
0: Which is, like, okay, a lot of shade to be putting on chocolate chip cookie cakes. I love which chocolate j- That cake would be
1: yummier than those.
0: You know, my dear friend Shannon used to make that every time someone had a birthday. Um, and they were wonderful, and they were homemade, and quite frankly, they looked a fuck of a lot better than Siggy's wallpaper cake. I
1: was at a restaurant called Indochine a few months ago. Isn't that, like,
0: a really nice restaurant?
1: It's a really nice restaurant. Yeah. It was a hot date.
0: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
1: It was so hot, my voice just cracked. And ah. then, no, and there was, a, like, a what looked like a bachelorette party. Always a sign of a classy restaurant, right? Always the sign
0: of a and classy restaurant. And these girls
1: had got it was like a bachelor, it was like maybe a birthday party, but there was a delicious looking chocolate chip cake. End of story. <laughs> All right. But like,
0: moral of the story, Siggy tries to like, steal back the show by like, crying that her cake has been thrown on the ground. And like, she has a point, right? Generally, we don't throw cakes around in restaurants. Um, but like, Teresa's just such a boss right now, I don't even care. I just love that she threw that cake. <laughs>
1: It was wonderful.
0: It was wonderful.
1: And I think that's the end of the episode. And then we just get a lot of preview for the season, which looks like it's going to be a A real... A lot of
0: drama.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of drama. It's a lot of screaming.
0: A lot of screaming. A lot of... We couldn't... It was unclear to me who exactly was fighting with who. Um, which I think is probably purposeful. Like, oh, yeah, in the of teaser. Yes, yeah, so we yeah. don't want to know exactly how to do it. No, but my sense right is, is that
1: Siggy's actually embroiled in a lot of conflict.
0: Um Dolores seems furious at some people. There are a little a few Dolores takes uh, where she's kind of dissing Teresa's husband, Joe Judice, um, yes. which is something to watch out for. Yes, I yeah. love
1: this. I love that Joe Judice is gone so we all get to trash him.
0: I do actually. Like it's high freaking he is the worst. Like he can barely articulate full sentences. He is a criminal, like he's a bad husband. Like, let's just tell this how it is. He's the
1: worst. If this podcast has an enemy, it's him. Like, I just
0: this is a podcast against Joe Tuesday. If you're listening, <laughs> Joe, I'm glad that he's gone. I actually enjoyed the McMansion a lot more without him. I thought yeah. the vibe was significantly there. Nicer. May not be
1: good bacon anymore, but like, there's a lot more conviviality. A lot
0: more conviviality. A lot less emotional abuse. Um, I think that the leaving of Joe Judice is a blessing in disguise.
1: Right, so that's what we have to look forward to this season is no more terrible Joe Judice. And then we get a lot of wonderful fighting and the reintroduction of Danielle.
0: And like wonderful badass Teresa Judice doing badass things. I love you, Teresa. Please come on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I love you, Teresa. I really like Gia too. I would love to have Gia. Gia. I would love to have Gia on this podcast.
0: Gia, come on this podcast.
1: Gia, come on the podcast.
0: But really anyone can come on this podcast. We're not that picky. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode of Table Flippers. Yeah,
1: this was fun. This was was so fun. Let's do more.
0: I hope that you have enjoyed the podcast as much as we have enjoyed making it. And even more than we have enjoyed watching this amazing first episode of episode eight. No, wait, season eight. (laughs) Oh, God, fucked up the outro. Sorry.